This is a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Trail podcast.、Uh, I'm Mark Agnew, and unfortunately, I'm not joined by my co-host Mary Huey today. It's a little bit under the weather, and her croaky voice probably wouldn't come out that well on a microphone, which is a real pity because we have an absolute corker of a podcast today that meanders in ways that I didn't even expect when we started. We begin with a plastic trash-filled cave on the coast of Hong Kong, and end up in an ancient. Uzbekistani city that's been buried in the sand for the last two or three thousand years, and in between we travel、uh, to dinosaur-filled deserts in the Gobi, and we fall off a cliff in a tuk-tuk in India.、Uh, the man who takes us through this incredible journey is Paul Nile, who is an Austrian, been li- living in Hong Kong for some time now, and is a real staple in the adventure scene. In fact, he's even on the board of the Explorers Club.、Um, How he gets to all these places and does these raids of adventures, adventures is a bit mental. So, looking forward to hearing from him now. Hi, Paul. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today.、Um, I'm sorry to see you hobbling in here. How how、um, how have you injured your ankle? What, what's gone on?、Um, yeah, I had a small accident. Well, a rather big accident just before Christmas. Uh, we're climbing the usual adventuring in Hong Kong, and、um, this time the climb didn't end so well.、Um, we, I was 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 leading a pitch, and the whole rock—it was really chossy rock, typical Hong Kong—and、um, uh, the whole rock came out, on which I was holding. Thank God I was on a rope, but I still took like a 50 meter fall,、oh, and、wow. um, that that ended with me fracturing my ankle in a rather complicated fashion. Um, thank God, Hong Kong has a relatively good rescue service, so the helicopter could、uh, extract me, get me to hospital. But、um, recovery will take a while.、So. Yeah, you're saying like a, a year till it's back. Yeah, I'm. Well, that's the good. The good news, actually, received them today. Actually, you who? So,、yeah. <laughs> uh, that actually, it looks like it's all coming back, which is which is great because originally it looked like、um, this is not gonna heal, and then you're like, wow, I probably need to rethink what I'm doing next project. So right now I'm sitting at home and can plan a lot of new ideas. Yeah, <laughs> where, where were you climbing? That is so chossy.、Um, we were p- climbing in Sai Kung. All right.、Um, some of the cliffs there have really, really rotten rock. That's probably why also nobody. Yeah, why are there? there? <laughs> <laughs>、um, so, what's it like now? I mean, your like activity is just such a central part of your life. Have you ever been forced to take this longer period out、um, before? No, probably that's the longest period I have been grounded. Grounded in a literal thing that we also have been really been traveling for like three months and not going anywhere. So、um, it it takes a lot of effort to keep the mind occupied, but. I see it more also as an opportunity to look into new ideas, new new projects, and have the time actually to follow up on things that I actually never had time before. Of course, I will sort of. I mean, when you say new projects, do you mean thinking of things in the future or working on stuff like meditation and trying to <laughs> be comfortable in your、uh, in your sedentary state?、Um, well, meditation was some part of it, which is actually really great because usually there is never really time to fit that in the day, but also. Um, thinking and following up with on ideas of adventures in the future that I sort of had on on this f- file system at home, but never really took out again, and that was really that's that's really cool. I mean, that's still ongoing, and we'll see what actually materializes of that. I um 
I don't think all will materialize because that means <laughs> there's not, not enough, enough time. There's <laughs> not enough time. But um, no, and it's uh, at the same token, it also allowed time to properly work on past projects and bring them towards the finish line. Because it's so easy to like do something, then already the next project comes up and you're only 80, 90% done with the previous one. So we had one film that still needs to uh, properly wrapped up from our Around the Island uh, project uh, two years ago. And I um, don't even dare to say it because I was like, when is that film coming? And it just took so long and now hopefully we'll bring that over the line. So that that hopefully was um, helping it to bring the project to an end. And then there's a few other very interesting things that are cooking at the moment. Yeah, well, um, since you mentioned the co-steering all around Hong Kong, you were saying earlier about um, a, a grant to clear up. Yeah, so um, that has coincided just Actually, just before we, before my accident happened, we finally got the green light from uh, Patagonia I- here in Hong Kong to basically support a project to um, m- set a real action step. Because what we what we did when we did that co-steering adventure around Hong Kong, we mapped uh, together with Esther, my wife, we mapped the pollution hotspots around Hong Kong Island. And from that moment onwards, we always were dreaming of how great would it be if we could send volunteers, all these outdoor enthusiasts around Hong Kong out to basically clean some of those diverse places up. And it took much longer than expected um, to actually get this whole project off the ground. And I'm really happy that especially Esther, who is who is leading this project, um, um, is moving this towards the finishing line. Hopefully in May, there's going to be what's called the um, Adventure Cleanup Challenge Hong Kong which is going to be five teams um, going out to different sites around Hong Kong and working over a month to clean them up uh, and shoot hopefully like really good impressive pictures, promote that to basically um, also um, increase public awareness of what's actually happening. Yeah, so I mean, when you when you embarked on that expedition, you must have known that you're going to come across plastic, but was was it much worse than you thought it would be? Um, When we, yeah. A short answer, yes. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely worse than we thought. There were massive, like, especially in cliff sites that are hard to get to, where you really have caves full of styrofoam, etc. And I think the typhoon that we had last year didn't really help the cause either. Um, we did about 15, 16 months ago, we did a cleanup uh, in one of the cliff sites near Big Wave Bay. And when we just went back there after the typhoon, it was 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 like all full again, etc. So that I, I think there is definitely enough to do for a lot of lot of volunteers. So if we can literally just scratch the surface there and get some things moving, um, that would also help a lot. I'm, um, I mean, given that so much of your life is based around the outdoors, when you come across something like that, it's just a cave full of styrofoam, how's, how's that feel? Yeah. It, well, in, th- in that moment, you obviously feel a little bit helpless because what do you do? I mean, we pack, when, when I see the, the old wrapping paper, when we go running, I pick it up. But what are you going to do if you have like uh, 200 trash bags full of styrofoam, uh, polystyrene and, and plastic bottles lying around? Um, I think what I realized is that it's really, really powerful to basically at least uh, make photos, share share what's what's going on. And and hopefully motivate people to actually do something in their everyday life. I think for me personally, we, 
I learned a lot after that adventure in like getting more awareness about what I do, like not buying, if I'm thirsty, go running to the next 7-Eleven, buying the next plastic bottle that just then ends up again in the landfill or what kind of wrappers, um, et cetera, let take, take from whatever shop. So I think it's in our everyday life to become aware that has also had a huge impact on myself. Yeah, so have you had to make like a much of an effort to change those sort of things like in your day-to-day life or was it actually quite easy when you just decide to cut out plastic in a, as much as you can? Actually, the effort you need to take to actually tell people no to is is immense in Hong Kong. It's whenever you go, even if you have just takeout somewhere, you get it, you get wrapped your takeout in a styrofoam, like in a polystyrene cup with like a plastic bag around it, and everything is packed like four times. So it took a huge effort to be like, no, 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 I don't want that. I don't want that. You basically send it back again to the shop. Um, but now that it's sort of, it becomes an almost a game that you really want to, you want to do something. Um, uh, Effortful, like in in their way, that I, it it really it really becomes like this fulfilling mission in a way. Yeah. So I mean, um, in terms of the actual adventure, I mean, the coaster earring. How how did it compare to what you were expecting? Was it more difficult to just technically get around the island? Um, I think we were we were extremely well prepared on the tech, uh, like on the technical part. There were very little surprises. I think when there were surprises, it was more that we obviously had to struggle with the odd, as it is Hong Kong, security guards, etc., being at the wrong time at the wrong spots. So I think from a from a pure technical challenge in what is climbable and what we could do, we were lucky that we we had reasonably calm seas, which was the dangerous aspect of that adventure in the first place. Um, that also allowed us to basically get it complete the whole challenge in the time frame that we that we had set out. What that obviously allowed us is to to spend much more time on the um, on the pollution uh, mapping, etc. Which I think a priori we hadn't. I didn't. I had miscalculated how long that would take us. Like to take all the water samples, to make the photos, to GPS mark them, etc. Um, that that took much longer than expected. So I was definitely not unhappy that the technical challenge was uh, was under control. Yeah. And am I right in thinking you uh, you brought your you brought your baby with you? No, there is. <laughs> <laughs> our, um, our daughter goes to a lot of places, but she already she came out once. We had a campsite on, we camped um, on one of the southern beaches, and then uh, she came by in the evening once to visit. But no, Kostiri is definitely not yeah, yeah. a sport <laughs> to bring Pitching, to bring yeah. the, the daughter. Although um, we 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 definitely like to do adventures and outdoor uh, outdoor journeys with um, uh, with our daughter. Uh, and and bring her on as many adventures, but I think uh, uh, steering with its uh, let's free solo angle to it. Nah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how how old's your your daughter now? Uh, she's three years. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, so you've done a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, the seven summits, um, for example. How's your appetite for that kind of risk changed after the last three years of having a baby? Now, I mean, there's definitely some portion of risk that has like risk appetite that has changed where I'm for sure more thoughtful about what what I would do and which uh, which um, adventures I would engage in. I don't think I would have the real nerves anymore for at the moment for the kind of um, sitting in a storm on 8,000 meters and, you know, discussing whether you should go out, you should push, you should go down. I, I actually don't really want right now to be in that position to make to make that call, or because I, I also wouldn't think I would have the head free 
to basically make a make the decision. Um, having said that, I'm will. I've done also now post my accident that I just had quite a lot of reflection of what kind of risk one actually takes in its everyday outing. And when one looks back, like that's probably the most severe injury I had, like my fall uh, here in Hong Kong, I had in my ad like adventuring life, then one has to conclude, wow, um, this, it, you don't even need to be an 8,000 meter that something can happen, which can have serious consequences. So, um, I think that a lot will be training about having getting the risk capital back, getting or or calculating towards the right projects and adventures. Yeah. So, do you think it's going to be difficult for you in a year's time when you get back onto even a, like a single pitch sport route in Hong Kong? Do you think there'll be a mental block for you that you'll have to work through? I I hope not. I truly hope not. Yeah. But it's difficult difficult to say right now. But I don't think so. Um, I, I hope it's not the case. They don't even know sport route. But having talked a lot with um, friends who had similar occasions, they said, like, especially going uh, going on the sharp end of the rope and taking the lead, that's going to take take a little bit of time. Yeah. And you want that appetite to come back, or are you just content now to move on to like a second stage of your uh, your adventuring that involves fatherhood? Uh, well, I think that fatherhood is not incompatible. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, I think there is... I. I don't want to like now s sit around and basically do like um, um, adventures just from the couch. That just would sound too boring. So there needs to be a definite active element um, to it. But there is so many different forms and shapes that can uh, can take on to. So um, I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely multiple ideas uh, that are spinning in the head right now. Was that always the case? Like um, for as long as you can remember, you're like, I want to get outdoors. I want to do adventures, whatever form that might take. Or did that happen later in life when you got into the office and suddenly decided that it was better outside? Well, I had I had a lot of outdoor exposure from an early early age on. Um, my parents are really outdoorsy. My dad's a mountain guide. My mom's skiing instructor. Both are. Um, sports teachers, so the outdoors, going going hiking, going skiing, etc. That was like from the early time on. Interesting for me was that I stopped doing all that when I when I turned a teenager. I just wasn't interested in doing anything with sports or moving, etc. Like mountains anymore. And I sort of had to rediscover the whole thing again, like in my mid twenties, uh, which was really interesting. And from then onwards, it was more the mountains at my own like at my own choosing and sort of brought back all those memories that I had as a kid and being out there and doing these adventures. And that's what I what I like to do now. What did you do in the uh, interim between 13 and 25? <laughs> do we really need to go into detail? <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it replaced by like another sport or were you just not interested in sort of doing anything? No, no, I, I, I played a lot of I played a lot of um, ice hockey and yeah, cool. uh, field hockey in that time. So that, it, it got replaced by another sport, but it was not the same kind of experience and feeling of being out there in the, in the nature and experiencing something for yourself. And uh, another uh, big adventure that you've had is a tuk-tuk across India. So where, where was that from and to? Yeah, so that was probably one of those adventures that fall in, the, in, the, in a separate category. But they, they, similar to the Round the Island, have the red line that I want to do something that has more impact or like some, uh, some bigger angle towards it just be, than just being an adventure for myself. And um, what we set out for is to drive a motor rickshaw tuk-tuk from the south end of India to the north end. 
and that's around 3,000 kilometers. And we didn't, the team we put together, we didn't want to just do that for our own sake. I mean, it's a hell of a fun drive if you like driving on a motor rickshaw. But um, we wanted to sort of use that as a tool to explore education, especially education towards girls in India, and get deeper into that into that mission. Now, that m- might sound a little bit weird, the motor rickshaw and the, the education angle, but it was in, in so far interesting because the one thing a motor rickshaw does for sure, it breaks down. And it's a vehicle that's not made for driving several hundred kilometers a day, so it usually breaks down after about 100, and that's usually a random event, so it happens in any kind of village, and you you have this amazing encounter, like, it's usually a village where there are no tourists, uh, and where you're like the odd one guys out because you just arrived in a motor rickshaw, and that's when we usually brought in very interesting experiences with schools, with NGOs, with people we linked up with, and we subsequently made a film out of that, um, called Education Explorers. Together, the rickshaw drive and the film raised about a million Hong Kong dollars towards getting girls into uh, education with our NGO partner in India. And the film has been screened at several corporates, um, a few film festivals, etc. So that was a very interesting, interesting uh, mission. But what was your reception like when you sort of got into a village and you would say, like, hi, we need a spare tire? And what is the state of your local education for girls? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do that. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much sums it up. Um, well, super friendly. Like I would say, eighty to ninety percent everywhere we went, it was super friendly because even we once you brought up the subject of education. Um, yeah, because we we obviously didn't. We for us it was more an anecdotal journey to basically film like how how does school work two of the two of uh, our team were were teachers themselves so it was more going to the schools um interviewing some of the teachers and it's quite funny situations that we that we uh, that we uh, came into and fun, like amazing conversations that we we had i mean in the end of the day in one of the the bigger towns we broke down to a a, rick, a fellow rickshaw driver then took us in, took us into his house where his seven, seven, I think six daughters and one boy basically sat with us. And then I thought it was bad. I had three sisters and I thought, <laughs> <it was> bad. <laughs> I thought that was bad. <laughs> so, they, and we sat down and had, uh, had, had tea and talked about like, you know, how does he, how does he send them to school and how, uh, like, turns out, yeah, they're going to school until they're 14, but most of the school, at least in their opinion, uh, is useless until then because only the class that comes afterwards counts. That's from when you have to pay, etc. And these were, I would say, also for me personally, these kind of moments, maybe similar compar- comparison to what I mentioned earlier with the, with the cave full of trash when you climb around the island, the moments that stay with you and they basically say like, wow, this is actually why I'm doing this, why I'm going out there, why it actually makes, uh, like that makes it much more meaningful. And did uh, the people you were speaking to have sort any sort of introspection as well on just the fact that you were bringing it up and asking interesting questions? It's I think one challenge that we faced was definitely a language barrier because you obviously have quite a selection the moment you just converse in English. Um, you always lose something in the in in the translation part. I think there was in a few instances, we managed to get very good insights from dealing together with the NGO, where we where we actually had, where we could really see, hey, there is something happening. We spoke with one teacher who, who basically showed us some of the villages where they actually have got 
girls into in, in, in into the school and what what effect they had. I think for us to really see like, hey, there's been a life changing the partner, that was just too short of a of a mission. I mean, we basically came in, we spent an hour, two hours until our motor rickshaw was repaired, and then it was already going going on. So, did was it interesting um, in the sense? Did you see different attitudes in different sections of India towards the same issue? Well, we got different reactions. I think where we travel, it's difficult to generalize because, and that's what what I always try to uh, to emphasize. This was more an anecdotal journey than us filming a documentary and like uh, interviewing all sorts of stakeholders in the education system. But obviously, as usual, we learned uh, that the problem where we are is not really existing, but travel 20 kilometers further, that's where the real problem persists. That's sort of the uh, um, uh, the issue. And I think then also the feeling that most girls, when we talked with them, just felt like that they are not entitled to as much as their brothers or the uh, the as boys in general. So that girls just from the way they actually feel about themselves and the self-confidence just don't have the um the 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 yeah the self confidence to actually go out there and do it but that's more like the feeling we got when you had these conversations yeah and has it um changed your parenting style at all <laughs> yeah well given i have a girl from i think that's it's it i think it has been from day one the kind of mission we want to have a very independent self confident girl where she's definitely self confident that i can see <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. Um, and so, I mean, what was it like actually just being in a rickshaw for that long? It must have been awfully uncomfortable. Um, extremely painful. Um, I think the whole the whole mission got compounded that we actually had a rather bad accident, I think about on day five. And we drove off a, a mountain road and set the rickshaw straight into a stone wall. And that accident, um, I was in the back in the back row but i exited through the front window and um i i we were, i was really lucky but i got a really nasty um cut which obviously with the whole climate and the traveling etc subsequently got in in a terrible state so i in in addition to the sampling the education system i also did my private sampling of um the indian hospital system uh, was it found wanting? <laughs> I would say um, if you can avoid, don't have accidents with rickshaws. Uh, so, uh, I mean, the rickshaw kept going after just driving off a small cliff? Uh, no. Um, we were in the middle of nowhere, in an, I think in a national park or something, and you think like nobody's coming, but within five minutes there were people, within ten minutes there was a truck, half an hour later we were in a village, and I think it must have been a really, really bad damage because it took them 48 hours to repair the rickshaw, which I think meant that they had to exchange all the parts anyway on it. But it, it, 48 hours later, it was actually running again. After just five days, were you thinking about, um, maybe we shouldn't do this? There's another <laughs> X thousand miles to go. There was, there was definitely the thought. And um, I think looking backwards, knowing what actually happened, I would say probably would have been smarter, like with the whole, uh, how, how much medic, like how much health impact it actually had on me. I probably would have aborted there and then. But we kept going. I think part of it was that mission and the, the mission of that it's not just us driving for fun here, but that we actually really want to 
film or like experience and get more into the bottom of that uh, the education uh, issues i think that was the interesting part and the main driver of getting going and to some extent it was also similar when we had our low times for example when we climbed around the island that the whole topic of hey, we're not just doing this because it's so much fun to hang out on a cliff in the rain and it's miserable and we could do so much better. It was, hey, if we don't record that trash and put it on the map, then it's never going to happen. Or it, it, like we really came here with a mission, let's, let's bring it on. So, I mean, how have your motivations for each adventure sort of changed over time? Then now they seem to be quite like uh, issue driven, but was that always the case for you? No, I think it has definitely changed post... Um, we're sort of completing all these big mountains, the, the seven summits, the Everest kind of stuff, which clearly was more my own personal journey to get there and like, hey, let's go climb that mountain. It was something I, well, I actually did for myself, but I realized I'm more like post that, that my interest had changed fundamentally in doing something that's re- either exploratory in going somewhere where you experience something new that nobody has done before, which is sort of like the the expeditions we have launched in, in, in done in Tibet and um, in China, or, and or then the stuff we have done with climbing around Hong Kong and um, the the rickshaw, and there's a few ideas that sort of at the moment floating around. Whether this is uh, searching for some shipwrecks or what we did last year when we uh, went into the Gobi Desert to explore new technology in terms of uh, uh, finding fossils. Yeah, and you found, so basically you were a dinosaur hunter last year, which is quite a cool thing to put on your CV. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, what kind of fossils did you find? So the area we were in was, uh, was... mostly dated in the 60 to 75, 60 to 70 million uh, years um, gone by area. So it's basically the latest uh, dinosaurs. And most there are um, meat-eating dinosaurs. So there was a lot of uh, fossils of uh, the the dinosaur is called Tarbosaurus Bartar, which is basically the, the Asian cousin of T-Rex. So the T-Rex is only found in North America. Tarbosaurus is the equivalent that, that roamed through through Asia. So it was pretty impressive. We went one day out and we found this amazing tooth of a, a full tooth of a, of a Tarbosaurus. And just when you hold this in your hand, it's, it's an amazing feeling. And then last week, uh, that Hong Kong um, dinosaur expedition was recognized at the Explorers Club, am I right? Yes. So the expedition, which was organized by the Explorers Club uh, Hong Kong, uh, received the citation of merit by uh, the Explorers um, Club in New York. That's basically an annual award to um, honor um, significant expeditions. And uh, I think the the unique feature was that this expedition employed um, new imaging technology, so satellite imaging technology crossed with drones that were filming in thermal cameras to basically find more fossil sites. And um, yeah, we had the honor to be in New York in company and then award dinner, which was uh, featured the eight surviving Apollo astronauts as guests of honor. So it was a definitely a very uh, uh, um, humbling uh, experience to be in in, uh, in presence of such amazing explorers and adventures. 
Um, so what kind of other uh, like expeditions get nominated or have won that sort of prize in the past? What do you, what does that dinosaur trip up there with? So there is, there's actually a, a wide range of expeditions that have won in the past. I think in 2015, so three years ago, uh, Jeff Bezos actually won, uh, won the prize and for his expeditions, expedition to retrieve the, uh, engine of the uh, of the Saturn V rocket that shot the Apollo 11 capsule to the moon. So there is, there is a, a, a long range of, uh, of um, expeditions that have awarded it. What is interesting is that I think this was the only second time where the award was given to a whole expedition rather than to an individual, which is quite... Uh, busy stage. <laughs> a very busy stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what kind of stuff are you looking forward to in the future then? What's you, what have you got on your checklist? Or are you keeping them under your hat? <laughs> no, so, well, we, there's, a, there's a few things at the moment, uh, at the moment cooking. Definitely uh, coming out of the Explorers Club here in Hong Kong, we're trying to build on the success of, um, from, from last year to find the dinosaurs in the in the Gobi Desert so we uh, there is an expedition going in in Uzbekistan in to Uzbekistan in in June this year uh, which is has more an archaeological character to basically search for a city of a long lost civilization which is going to be going to be very very interesting that's very cool I do I mean what city is it is there rumors of a city there so that they there is rumors of a city. There has been digs going on in the past. So obviously, in Soviet Union time, there have been exploration done in 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 the area. But there is one a major site that has not been found or uncovered. And there's there is obviously a suspicion that something's there. But there should be this the 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 approach that we trying to aim for is similar than that has been done in the in during the fossil searching expedition is to use latest technology to be go, go in the field and use ground penetrating radar drones and uh, multispectral imaging to basically search for for these um, archaeological sites when when this city when was it sort of operational i think now i'm this Clearly not the expert on this, but like two to three thousand years ago. Oh yeah, wow, a long, long time ago. Because yeah. I was going to say there's like ma massive ancient cities in Uzbekistan, like Samarkand and stuff. So yeah, I was, so I that's was like, a... why did they survive and that one didn't? <laughs> but it's a lot older. No, we're talking about a lot older. Than yeah, that. yeah, mm -hmm. that'd be incredible. Um, and so you're going to be, you won't be on that because you're hobbling. So at the moment we still decide. Like I'm, I'm hope to make that, but uh, if not, the team is fantastic. That busy uh, undertakes it. We have a great team here in Hong Kong that's that's gonna go so if if I can make it that's that's great if not then uh, there will be other there will be other projects oh awesome well I think we're uh, running a bit out of time but uh, thank you very much Paul for taking the time to share all of this it's been uh, really awesome you've got such a massive range of uh, expeditions under your belt it's difficult to know where to start and finish but uh, hopefully we've covered some of the interesting points <laughs> great thank you it was a pleasure yeah See you guys next time. And remember, we're now on iTunes and Spotify, so subscribe. And uh, if you like us, give us a good review. If you don't like us, then please don't review. <laughs>